Hello, and welcome to the Day One Dreams podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Jenkins. This is a place where we roll back success stories to their early days, those first small steps, or what I call the beginning of the beginning. When we learn how someone got started, we learn how to bridge that gap between where we are and what we want to accomplish. Today, I'm very excited to welcome guest Sean McMahon. Sean has a diverse background in training and development with over 20 years of experience in the pharmaceutical, computer, and automobile industries. Sean is the founder and president of Illuminate, a client-focused learning and development company that specializes in delivering high-caliber pharmaceutical and biotech sales training solutions that utilize the latest trends, innovations, and technologies. Sean has a BS in marketing and entrepreneurial studies from Babson College and proudly holds a seat on the Life Sciences Trainers and Education Board of Directors. Sean, welcome to Day One Dreams podcast. Thank you, Patrice. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you saying yes. Your name was passed on to me by my friend Donna, who has sent me some really great guests. And I usually check them out first, go to the website, LinkedIn. And I have to admit, when I saw yours, I was like, Donna, I can't do this one. This is too serious. And she assured me that your story is something that really our listeners will benefit from, and perhaps even more so because of what you decided to do, what you decided to start years ago, and what it has turned into today because you were brave enough to make that start. So I gave our listeners a little information about you and what it looks like now. Can you fill us in a a little more about Illuminate and what you are running there? Sure. We are a clinical sales training firm. What that means is we develop content or curriculum for life science companies, so pharmaceutical, biotech, and medical device companies. And when I say curriculum, they have to educate sales representatives, and rightfully so, on the drug that they're promoting, the diseases that they treat, medical device that's being used. And so we'll develop and publish content specifically for them or curriculum specifically for them in the form of e-learning courses, print-based books, workshop-driven solutions uh, that can be conducted at launch meetings, national sales meetings that are kind of helping them hone their skill Also, any additional knowledge or new content that's being created for them, that's what we do. We're a 25-person company based in Boston. We've always been based in Boston. And so that's who we are. That's the kind of behind-the-scenes thing that the rest of us don't realize happens. Even my husband was in the veterinary field. So when sales reps, drug sales reps come in, never thought about how they had to be trained on what the new drugs are and their effectiveness and all of that. It's funny when I tell people what we do as a company, they're like, wow, I didn't realize there are companies out there (laughs) that do that. And there are a lot. It's a, it's a small space, which is neat, but it is something that, yeah, there are companies that do it because sales representatives clearly need to be trained and they're trained well. Uh, they And again, they need to know that in addition to the drug that they're promoting, the marketplace that they're competing in. And then, I mean, and even roll all the way back to the molecule that's in the drug, how it works, the disease state, you know, how the drug impacts the disease state and so forth. I can see where every every step of that is so important. 
yeah. uh, to be fully informed. As you said, you have about 25 employees now and you're located from what I saw on the website, a beautiful building in Boston. You also we have are. something going on with Babson College. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your role in getting that started? Sure. So we are promoting a program with Babson. It's called Be Agile. And it's a leadership development program uh, that we have collaborated with Babson on specifically for life sciences. And it's it, it's kind of a unique story in that I've been talking to Babson as an alum uh, and also a friend of mine from high school who works there that's not an alum. We've just been in constant communication as to how we might be able to marry the two. I know from a legal perspective, we don't want to say that, but that we want it, that we have great sort of resources or great opportunity in the life science space. They like to do work in life sciences, but see that there's a, a lot of potential. So the program that we have going on there, it's a seven week virtual program that we offer to our clients and also other companies in the life science space that helps emerging leaders, existing leaders and future leaders. So all this has happened over time. I would like if you roll back that story now, even before 2004, when you started this company, I know you were working for other training and development companies, but yep. at some point you had this idea of walking away from probably what everyone else thought. You've got a great position here. Why would right. you go out on your own? So can you um, take us on the journey of that story? Sure. So I don't want to not to go all the way back to the very beginning, but it's interesting. I started off in the pharmaceutical industry as a sales rep here in the Boston area, calling on physicians. I had success and a, however, a training position opened in Dallas, Texas, and I thought this would be a great thing to do. And you know, I was an ambitious guy, much younger guy at the time and stepped into this national sales trainer role absolutely loved it, stepped into a director of learning and development role, loved it. Kind of at this point realized as, as a marketing and entrepreneurial studies major, traditionally you do go into sales. As I'm transitioning into training, I thought, wow, this is really where I'm meant to be. And then moved into, due to the relocation of the company I was working for to upstate New York, I decided I love Dallas, Texas. I'm going to stay in Dallas, Texas. Funny that I then didn't get a job in Dallas, Texas, but then went to work for Mercedes-Benz USA as a professional development specialist in San Francisco. So moved to San Francisco, had additional experience there in the learning and development field, which was really beneficial because my training experience prior had been in pharmaceuticals. So it really, I feel like rounded me out close to different things. It was a different industry, but really had a yearning to get back into pharmaceutical learning and development and stepped into this role with an agency similar to Illuminate. And it's here that I felt like, okay, I thought training is where I'm meant to be now. So we were an agency that developed training solutions for pharmaceutical and biotech companies as a project director. And I thought this is precisely where I'm meant to be. I loved that I was still in learning and development. I loved the intensity of having clients, having deadlines. It was an intense job, no doubt. I remember my mother at one point telling me, 
Sean, you're working too hard. And I said, I can do this for a bit. So that's kind of just the progression. And, and I tell that story because when I was working for the company that I was at from 2001 to 2004, I thought this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I absolutely loved what I did. So from there, I learned new skills. I, I crafted this developing curriculum and content, which I hadn't been completely exposed to in this way prior. Then things just started not to work out at the company that I was at and decided through a series of things that were going on that I absolutely loved what I did. I liked the people that I was working with, but I wasn't crazy about who I was working for anymore. We had a change in leadership. And so it was at that point that I decided, okay, I need to, I need to do something different. So that's interesting because I, I see this path where uh, with each position, you gain more skill, you gain more understanding of what it is you really feel called to, what really lights you up. And now that you've kind of come full circle with that, then realizing I'm in a position now, I need to take this and go somewhere with it. Absolutely. And is that what happened then in 2004? Yeah, I... It's funny, I was working really hard, which I did not mind. There were a couple of things happened managerially that I didn't agree with. And I also felt because I worked really hard, you know, usually it's the people that are working really hard that then get the most work or get more work because we all know that those are the people that get the job done. And I just felt like I wasn't getting the support that I needed. I also had a client call me one day this is close to when I made the decision. And she said, Sean, I just need to ask the question, did you review the draft that you sent me? As I heard that on my voicemail, I took a gulp and I thought, okay, I didn't read the draft, which really kind of meant like, okay, I wasn't doing my job, but I was so busy and that, and I thought, okay, but I, so I, I really don't want to admit that. But at the same time, I didn't want to, I didn't read it. So I, I wanted to be honest. And when I called the client back, I said to her, I'm like, I didn't read the draft. And she said, thank God you said that, Sean, because I know that had you read the draft, you wouldn't have sent it to me. And, and that's one of, there were several different little instances that happened within this short period of time that made me realize, well, I, I tend to be able to hold my head above water, I think a little bit better, that I just thought when I start letting quality go, or if I'm dropping the ball on quality, it isn't working anymore for me. And so that was one of the moments that is when I had the epiphany of I need to get out. And probably within the years prior, I never, I always tell people I never saw myself as owning my own business. Same time, I was an entrepreneurial studies major at Babson. So sometimes I think, okay, Sean, who are you kidding? But it was, I then just started having these ideas of maybe I start my own company. And in the space that we're in, there are a lot of freelancers that do great work. And I really, I guess, thought they're like, okay, I, I kind of will then be a freelancer, but then use a network of folks to develop the content. So from there, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And both of my parents, my dad was like, you absolutely can do this. My mother, you know, being, being a mother was like, okay, I'm a little worried about this, supportive in a different way. I had enough money in the bank to, I, I realized, okay, I have enough money in the bank to live for six months if I make no additional money, which let's hope that I do. And if I, if this doesn't work, I'm sure it's going to be a good experience 
And if I run out of money in six months, then I move back home and go ahead. One thing I really like there is you asked yourself the question, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And I think we imagine we can't do something because we don't think we can handle the worst that can happen. And if, and so if we have an answer to that when we're starting, in your case, I can live out for six months. And I have one person I spoke with who started something and she said, I'll do it until I run out of mo- money. And you know what? I haven't run out of money yet. <laughs> so... <laughs> I even prepared, okay, if I run out of money, then I have to move out of my apartment in the city and move back home with my parents, which I adore my parents that I thought, okay, that's the worst that can happen. You've had an amazing experience and yeah, and moving back home with my parents, if that's the worst that can happen, then I have things pretty good. So that gave you the boosted your confidence. And let's just give this a try. Yeah. There are a lot of people, Patrice, that say to me, you're really courageous in doing this. And I I don't see it as that, And I, but I guess it was. But it's just interesting that I had come to a point where, again, like I absolutely loved what I did. I loved my clients. I loved the work that I produced, but I just couldn't work where I was working anymore. And I thought, I can do this better. I really came to a point where I thought, I, I have no choice but to do this. Like it, it was, I have no choice. I got to do this. I'm going to give it a try. And more so it was, even if it doesn't work out, I knew in the process. And so what I was confident in the process there was I'm going to learn a lot. And then, and then if it doesn't work out, I'll then just find another job somewhere else. Or, and you know, I wasn't that flippant about it, but it was, you know what, it's in the big picture, it's all good. Right. And so I, I kind of had that mentality there. I did have some loyal clients, which I hadn't told yet. And it's not the business where if I, you know, here I'm then a one person shop competing with a 30 person shop. Like I knew it wasn't going to be that easy to, to get clients and we do contract work, not retained work. But I guess I did have confidence that just given the relationships that I had with my client, my knowledge in the space that I'd be able to be moderately or semi-successful. Right. I get an idea that you were willing to, you needed to listen to your gut on this. It was just saying you have to go for this. Absolutely. And I have a coming out on May 15th, a host on Mike where I talked about courage and where we access courage when, even when we're not feeling brave. So I like to hear mm-hmm. that people have said to you, wow, John, you were so courageous to do this. And your response in what you said here is you didn't really think of it that way. Right. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I think part of it was, I didn't think I I, I had no choice. And maybe it was the the knowledge that I had gained. I mean, here I'm at that point, I was 14 years out of college. So had a successful career in different industries, in different roles, to have people around me that were telling me, you can do this, that that also, I'm sure provided the courage that I just took for granted, maybe. I'm not sure if it's take for granted. And I guess I did have it. But the confidence that I had at the time to do it. And I remember telling a couple people that I didn't know well, which was interesting about what I was doing. And or they were either people that I knew from the gym, or they were the ones which was fascinating to me, that projected the most where we were like, geez, do you really want to do that? 
And it was, and my thought was, okay, how dare you say that? But it was my circle of friends and family around me that it was almost like, well, of course, Sean is meant to do this. And I remember when I started my own business, cousin told my uncle or my or my uncle told my cousin, and it was like, oh, yeah, well, it's sure that there's no surprise that Sean is doing this, which is, so I think that there were some things that others saw in me that maybe I just didn't see, or just, I don't want to say take, took for granted, because I never want to take things for granted, but it was just there. Right. Well, sometimes things that come easy to us, we think they must just come easy to everyone else. And yet that's usually not the case. And it's other people who see those, that in us, and it's important to surround ourselves with those people and and believe them when they tell us that. I call it positive prophecy. And we all need those cheerleaders. I hear in every episode about cheerleaders, even without my prompting with that question. I love that, Patrice. But it also comes down to is, I don't want to discredit the naysayers, like they have their good intentions there. But if you believe in something and you know this is the right thing to do, don't listen, or I didn't listen to the people that said I couldn't do it. That's what a lot of it comes down to. It would be interesting to me to know a little bit about those kind of people, because are are there areas where they've taken risks, where they, is it, does that whole idea make them uncomfortable? And there's a lot of, you know, psychological reasons why people might either, either way. And sometimes I actually, our closest friends can be people who say that, because they don't, they want to protect us. Like your mom, we were saying, not that she wasn't, but I know when my son set out, left a finance company in New York City to start a startup, as much as I'm always a cheerleader for him, I just kind of wished he had that regular paycheck still and health insurance and you you can't help but have sort of that that, uh, nurturing role as well. You take care of them. but And he did live home for a little while. So... (laughs) (laughs) which is a good thing for a little while. That's a good thing. (laughs) Now, as we've said earlier, this is a 24, 25 person company. I like Mm -hmm. to ask this question. Think back to what, what, with what you have now and what if you never started? What if you either decided to stay where you were or went someplace else, but you never followed that gut feeling of, I need to go out on my own. Yeah, that's a great question, Patrice. I haven't really thought of where I would be if I hadn't if I hadn't left that role and started the company. At at the same time, I look back on my total career path and think if I hadn't moved from Dallas to San Francisco and gained that experience with Mercedes-Benz or if I then when I was living in San Francisco, which is a city I absolutely adore, if I hadn't thought, okay, there were some things in my life that I thought, okay, I I want to move back to Boston and be closer to family. Like I always think, what happens if that didn't happen? And so if I hadn't, I guess in, in kind of this last step of if I hadn't stepped out in 2004, I probably would have still done the job that I did. And maybe at some point start looking as I had in subsequent you know, times that I've changed jobs, I can't say I've really looked back and and thought what would have happened. Or, you know, there was a time in in the company 
2008-2009, which was not a good time economically for the country, that it was the, it was the only time in the company's history that I thought I could lose everything. And even though as, as I was going through that, and I tell this for an important part, like as I was going through it, I was so oblivious that things are like falling down in the country around me because I was so focused on, you know, I worried about the company, but just to say like, there are always going to be tough times and you're going to get through them. Yeah. I guess to kind of come full circle to the, your question, I guess I've never thought what it would be if I didn't do this. Well, I think it's sort of fun to think about because it, it brings that much more, in my sense, I think it brings that much more sense of satisfaction to, mm-hmm. to what it has become. I'm glad you mentioned, though, that 2008-2009 period, because I think it's important for listeners to hear that there's a struggle in achieving. It's not like we make this decision, all these wonderful things happen. It was just a matter of stepping over the line. I've yeah. had some people say, I'm scared every day for you to say, as much as you were concerned about the company and possibly, you know, as, as so many companies during that time period, yeah. there's struggle. Sure. I didn't have the struggle, you know, the, the, although, and, and, and I started the company on my own. I didn't receive outside funding. Um, so I bootstrapped it and did have a successful 2004, 2005, 2006. But I think a lot of businesses when they start out, like the first few years are, are the biggest struggle. I can't say I quite had that. And, and I just say that because people will find there are struggles and, and whether it's the first couple years, whether it's two to three years post, and then whether it's just there, there are always ups and downs that, and, and some of the downs are a little bit less like there, there wasn't, there hasn't been a down as significant as 2008, 2009 for me with Illuminate, but there are struggles and it's, you almost, I don't want to say enjoy them because that sounds kind of cliche, right? But it's just believing yourself that you're going to get through them is, you know, and as you're going through them, it's tough to think that, but it's, it's all good. What advice would you have for someone who's listening finding themselves in a similar situation, but too afraid to move forward with an idea? I would say, I mean, my first thought when you started asking that question, I thought, just do it. If they are too afraid, you got to listen to your gut. And and there were, I mean, there were some things in my gut that thought, okay, are you doing the right thing? But in general, I guess I would say, try to find that strength, try to find that confidence if they believe in themselves, but do have, if they are afraid, then try to get over it, but seek counsel from friends and family. I don't want to say to get over that afraidness because it is going to be there. If you're too afraid, then maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't the time. And so you kind of have to back to, you really do need to listen to your gut and, and, but know that there will be, there will be questions in your head as you go through the process. So if there's questions in your head, you know, you're probably right in the place that you should be. Right. And with fear, one thing that I found that helps with fear is to just to get yourself in motion. When we're just thinking about something that fear builds and builds. But when we start making those phone calls or inquiring or doing some research and starting to get more information, it's like that emotion needs a place to be put into motion. Without question, Patrice, you know, they with movement comes friction, right? And so there's always going to be that friction. And that's a great point as to you start asking around. 
I had no idea how to incorporate the business, how, you know, who could set up a website, who to go to for logo development. And I just started asking around in my network and, and those, which can become, you know, when you have insurmountable questions or kind of, what do I take the next step? But you then just start to make those steps, those little steps, but you're making little steps in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It does become big steps. And it, and you're right, that helps with the fear and that helps with the potentially being afraid. It helps overcome that. Well, you make me wish I had some big idea I wanted to jump into because <laughs> truly the idea of after saying, what's the worst that can happen? This is my window of opportunity. One thing I say is I like to find out how something worked out. That's more important to me than if it will work out. If it will work out, holds people back. They need some kind of assurance before getting started. I think it's more important to to know what the story is. And you have your story. I do. And it's a great story. I'm so glad that that I got to hear it and our listeners did. I'd like to give you a chance to to tell our listeners like where they can find you. Who knows who might need your services? Sure. So I can be found. Our web address is illuminate.net. So I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-T-E.net. And we are, we're based in Boston. We're in the South End. And that's how folks can, can find us. Well, you've been so generous with being on the program today. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. Just keep doing it what has you're been, doing. It has been an absolute pleasure, Patrice. I'm honored to have spoken with you. And I'm honored to be listened to by your listeners. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You as well. 